Kia ora, ladies and gentlemen. We are down at WWF's Conservation Innovation Awards at Park Road Post. Now we have one of the winners for the product category with us here today. So we've got Matt Nab, Trent Bell from Hakokao. That was Trent Bell from EcoGecko. Uh, my name's Asha, I'm from EcoGecko and providing communication for Trent because he's profoundly deaf. Fantastic. That's an even better part to your story. And I'm Ayla Wiles. I also work at Echo Gecko and I've been involved with this project from the start. That's fantastic. And I'm Aaron Putney and I'm helping Echo Gecko out with the industrial design of their product. Fantastic. Congratulations, you all. So now tell us about Echo Gecko. How did the project start? The Paris had. Um, I've got to tell the friend Hazen, 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 uh, we've got over a hundred lizards in the country. And 85% are threatened or at risk. And we need more information about where they live and how to monitor them. Great. And how do, the, how do our lizards um, contribute to our biodiversity? So a long time ago there used to be abundances like 5,000 or 10,000 animals per square hectare. So 5,000 to 10,000 per square hectare. Yes, that's right. We don't see that kind of abundance on the mainland anymore. We have to go to an hotel you have to go to an offshore island to see what New Zealand would have been like 300 to 1,000 years ago. Yes. Right, yes. And that was before people and mammals came to the country. Right, right. Today's people don't realise how important lizards were in this environment. Right, yes. And so why are they so important? The biomass that they were. They spread seeds and plants, seeds and plants. Right, yes, yes. Pollinated the flowers. Pollinated the flowers. Wow. And pa- played a major role in predator and pest systems. Predator and pest. And prey systems. Sorry, right. predator and prey systems. Right, right, right. And I just have to say, recently I was out on Soames Island and the lizard population there was huge and I was astounded that this wasn't what I saw daily in my own bush. That was what New Zealand would have been like. Yeah, um, yeah. Another way to look at it was that we've got one about 100 land birds. 
100 lizard species as well. Right, wow. We've got four frogs. Yep. Two bats. Two bats. But you don't hear about the lizards. No, 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 you don't, you don't. So what does EcoGecko do to, to help the lizard population? Well, uh, conservation, research, and research management. We do conservation, research, and resource management. So, service, We do surveys, monitoring, and management. Right. And we would like to start developing new products like traps to help detect lizards. Great. And so, Aaron, what is your contribution? Like, what, what is it that you've been helping design? EcoGecko came to me with the idea that they wanted to develop a, a new and improved trap. Right. Um, and at that stage, the the concept was considered fairly final. Uh, right. And they were more looking for manufacturing expertise in it. Since the conservation awards, um, I've I think myself and EcoGecko have had our eyes opened as to just how enthusiastic and involved the online community got in the right, project. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. And as a consequence, there's probably three new products and the original one needs to be fully redesigned. Three? So, <laughs> <laughs> so you've got more of a job on your hands now. Fingers crossed. Great. So. Where are you based? Um, all of us are based in Wellington. All of us are based in Wellington. Really? Awesome. I've got a couple of staff. We have a couple of staff around the country, but we're based in Wellington. Right. So where do you um, practice? I don't know if that's the right word, but where do you play with your traps and, and work out what you're doing? All over the country. We really? Have, yeah, we have projects all around the country which can involve community groups as well, where we monitor lizards and protect them in any way that we can. That's great. And do you have a favourite spot or a community group in Wellington that you're working with? We've done some work with the Friends of Baringhead right. and um, we're also starting a couple of new projects out towards um, Queen Elizabeth Park and that sort of area. Great, great, great. So there's always new projects happening and new community groups wanting to get involved. I think there's about 24 community groups currently monitoring lizards, but there's probably another 60 to 80 who want to be involved. So. Oh my gosh, okay, so we're turning into a nation of lizard lovers, isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> so what will this award do for you? It gives us the funding to make the idea into reality. Great. And can I just ask, and maybe Trent, this is especially for you, do you think that your being deaf has contributed to your love for conservation? Yeah. Maybe. I was very introverted when I was at school. Right. Really hard for me to socialise with people. Yeah, yeah. So I and 
Big handbag, big. So I think lizards and basketball became my love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to say to the people of Wellington? Yeah, we're very grateful to WWF and the Tyndall Foundation for funding this project. Um, we think this trap is going to be really useful around the world. Boom, hope this have pent post, mellow tensed food pedest, and up the bad time that's so bad camera with that beautiful poopers trap. Uh, pitfall traps have been used since the 1960s, but they're made from off the shelf products like paint uh, pails and Milo tins. So it's about time someone came up with a new idea, um, a different design for this. Great. Is the objective to work on the habits of the lizards so that we can understand how to protect them? Um, yeah, th- there's some lizards that get the habit of noble pet food traps. So, uh, yeah, but they have just two the power to get themselves out. So we think that some lizards are getting out of the current pitfall traps. Right. Uh, like really big lizards may have the strength and power to get themselves out. Right. Who's the cows can't climb my wow, but they've got pants with their feet. Also, geckos can climb really well because they've yeah. got pads on their feet. Right. So bad the problem of trying to find it with a swear, because some of them are to help. So we have the problem right now of trying to find out what is where because we think some of them are getting out. Right. And some of them are really aware as packers. So if a car found them, we can't cross them. Mm, mm. And some of them are really rare species. Yes. So if we can't find them, we can't help them. Yeah. Wow. So one more question. How do you feel about winning? I found um good not to I found good nature to be very inspirational with what they do and I'd like to be able to do the same thing with lizards. You will. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Kia ora, ladies and gentlemen. Now we're down here with Richard Toft from Intercol, and he is one of the product category winners. Congratulations, Richard. Thank you very much. So tell me about Vespex. What does it do? Well, Vespex is um, a bait that um, attracts wasps, and wasps take it back to their nests and very quickly kills the whole nest, so means we don't have to find nests to control them anymore. Right, right. And that sort of opens up a whole avenue of wide area control of wasps, which we haven't had before, so it's a a new tool that's going to be very exciting for a number of users. Yes, definitely. So what is it about wasps that makes them so hazardous? Well, basically, they sting. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> and, and I think, ladies and gentlemen, we all would have experienced that at some stage. But to our biodiversity, what are they doing? Yeah, well, of course, wasps are incredibly efficient hunters and gatherers, Ooh. basically. And they've arrived into New Zealand, a place that has no native social wasps and no native social bees, for that matter. I didn't know that. Isn't yeah. it amazing? It's the kind of the least famous creature 
creatures that you don't know enough about. Well, exactly, and it's the lack of social mm. insects that really uh, one of the defining features of New Zealand ecosystems. Yes. For, you know, if you pick any other of the major continents, they've got thousands of species of, of properly social insects, and we don't have them th- here. Right, Our right. ecosystems have you know, developed without them, mm. and so suddenly we've had these invasive species, particularly wasps in some areas, and they've just you know, been able to make hay and, and develop these super populations without their natural predators right, right. and very little competition yes. from the natives. Yes. So in terms of, of expansion and I don't know if that's the right word. Have have they become? Have they upscaled over the years? Not really. The, um, when they arrived, I mean, we had the first wave with the German wasp in, in the um, late 1940s, right. and that very quickly right. spread throughout the country. And then probably about the late 70s, early 80s, we had the arrival of the common wasp, and that right. has done the same, so it swept throughout the country. So what led you, because I guess it's the le- le- one of the least glamorous um, things to deal with, how did you start your work with, with wasps? understanding them. Right, well it was one of the first projects I was involved in when I um, um, started work with DSIR and we were looking at the ecology of beech forests, the impact of wasps on the environment and that continued through um, my work with Landcare Research as well. Wow. So we quickly got on to the huge impacts that wasps are having on honeydew Mm. beech forests in particular. Mm. And so how long have you been working on this particular project? Um, probably the biggest part of 20 years now. <laughs> and, and I'm really glad you've won an award for it then. <laughs> so, and there's, you know, been a lot of other research mm. researchers involved as well. And so it's just the last few years that we've finally got to a situation where we've we've now got a product that we can actually take to the nation basically. Woohoo. So are we allowed to ask what the poison is? It's not a pear. No, the the active ingredient is is fipronil, which is a very effective um, toxin against invertebrates. Right. And it's a powerful ecotoxin, it has to be said. And so a a really important part of this project is is around stewardship of the bait and making sure that it's not in the environment for very long. Right. And in developing a bait that's... um, very focused on wasps, so it's of absolutely no interest to bees, right. which is um, obviously great yeah, benefit. Yes, it's very, very good. Yes. Thank you. And as a toxin, it's very safe to mammals as well right. and, and birds. Oh, good. So and it, it's put out in bait stations, which is sort of up a tree, and that, that also helps to limit any non-target effects. So um, with trials we've been doing with Department of conservation particularly this last year where we had five large areas that were treated some as big as two and a half thousand hectares wow and you know within a week we were able to reduce wasp activity in excess of 95 percent in those areas and and that's amazing and the effectiveness just continued as the weeks rolled on so sort of four weeks later we're looking at over 99 percent reduction in wasp activity oh my goodness so the benefits to the ecosystem in those areas is just enormous and so could you describe what to the average you know nature lover what difference they might see 
Well, it's virtually overnight. So um, wow. if you go into those forests with the huge wasp numbers, there's a hum in the air. You can just yes. hear the wasps humming. Yes, you and can. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so the day after a poisoning operation, that's disappeared, literally. Wow. And so reports of, of guys that were in those forests with a lot of honeydew is instead what they're hearing a lot of the honey eaters that are coming in to make use of the honeydew resources. So they're finally hearing the billbirds and tuis and things making hay with wasps. Awesome. How do you feel, Richard, after this very long time and then being acknowledged by winning this award tonight? Yeah, well, it's extremely exciting mm. and more than, you know, just the award um, or even any, you know, financial merits we might get from manufacturing. Yes, yes. It's just after such a long time to finally have a tool available to the, you know, conservationists out there that really need to control wasps. Kia ora and welcome to Wellington, gentlemen, Richard. Sure. Gardner Albert. Okay, yeah, great. No so where are you gentlemen from? Tolaga. Tolaga Bay, Bay, up the east coast. The east coast. Coasties, we're the coasties with the mosties. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are tonight. So tell me about, so you won the Community Category Award, which was really awesome. So what was your, what was your project that you won it for? Uh, that was, it was called the Uwawanui Project, which was yes. um, thought of and conceived a few years ago. And uh, uh, 2011 to be around where they published a book and all of that sort of thing. And then in the last year in that, uh, I've taken up a sustainability class at Tolaga Bay Area School. And Gardner over here is one of my top students. Mm. And what do we do, Gardner? Yeah, we're restoring the land with native trees. And um, seeing how big all the mussels were. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And the puppies. Yeah, and the yeah. puppies. And, and the tour tours and all there. Love that kind yeah. that's oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right, because we're land lovers uh, up there. We're, a lot of people live off the land and survive off yeah, the land. Yeah. You know, it's not too much uh, uh, jobs unless you want to be uh, cut down trees or yeah. farm. And there's actually a little <laughs> bit of a thing. Uh, if you go hungry up the East Coast, uh, you don't know how to hunt and fish, obviously. Right, yep, you don't yep. know how to <laughs> fend for yourself. You shouldn't yeah. starve up there. Yeah, yeah. And it shouldn't be costly, you know. Most people I know have got their free are choked with uh, pigs yeah, or deer. Especially or mine. <laughs> yeah, especially Gardner. He's That's, the number one hunter. Is that right, Gardner? Yeah. So, Richard, how did you, what led to you wanting to start a sustainability course in the school? Uh, and so what is the name of your school? Uh, our school is called Tolaga Bay Area School. Right. And it was actually... Um, uh, our principal, uh, uh, she has uh, awesome, has awesome vision and awesome yeah. um, aspirational things. And I'd done a, a diploma in uh, environmental management, right, and good. so she asked me if I wanted to uh, take on a sustainability class. It was pretty, pretty much how it started. And from there, I just and, and it was designed for people like Gardner over here who are hunters and live off the land, and uh, who are hands-on people and need to be. Uh, engaged in yeah hands-on activities, the outdoors activities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like like was it um, Rhett was saying tonight about the outside classroom. Do you think you've got an outside classroom, Gardener? Is that how it feels for you? Yeah, yeah it's really cool. Yeah. Mm. So is your lifestyle hunting a lot, and that that is part of your your daily life or your weekly life? Yeah, that's part of my daily life. Nice, nice. Mm. And so what, what do you think has made you the top student in Richard's sustainability class? Well, I like to contribute 
to the activities that he brings to us. Nice. Mm. Actually, what was the snapshot of what your whenua was looking like before, you know, that led to this action? I, I don't think there was, I don't think it was in a terrible state. Uh, I might have right. exaggerated on our video a little yeah, bit, yeah, but it was yeah. in a it was the way the world was going, I guess, and the the realization that we um, we need to go back to some of our old thinking. You know, yeah. in the old days, we you know you look after the land, it looks after you, mm. and, and you know we're going back to that thinking again. You know that it's like the avatar we're at one with the world and the land and the animals and we need to help each other to survive and all of that sort of sort of stuff you know, and we so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that far yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. You know, uh, a quote I do like is, you know, uh, one of those ones where, uh, oh, when the last tree is cut down, when the last uh, waters run out, run dry, and all of that, you, uh, the, only then will people find out you can't eat money. Hey, you know, and that's yeah. uh, what I truly believe. You know, we got to look after our land, yeah. look after, and make sure that it's a. Uh, it's a, a cycle of, you know, a little bit like the food webs, food chains, you know, we all depend on each other yeah. uh, to survive, you know. So what is the vision for your for your area through the work that you're doing? Yeah, I would like to see everyone respecting our trees yeah. <laughs> and our land. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, from an educational point of view, I was saying that um, it would be great for us to build... Um, knowledge and capacity in our students uh, when they go out they can do um, uh, they're already they're already sustainably mi- uh, sustainable minded they're already yeah. uh, ready for the challenges that they face in the world you know a lot of our kids go to forestry farming and you know if we give them all the knowledge that we can in schools then it doesn't matter where they go they've already got that knowledge and they can apply that to whatever industry they decide to take up yeah. ultimately I'd like the, the gardeners of this world to, say, to go into like dock ranges or stuff like that but it, that's their choice at the end of the day so I can only give them a, you know a lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink eh? so, yeah. but I think was it you that was saying tonight you, you'd never forget it it doesn't matter actually it was um, Rhett wasn't it Guru yeah. it doesn't matter where you go you'll yeah. never forget that yeah, you once bec- you've had that experience you don't become an ex-environmentalist I love that that was cool so just in terms of your community has this action helped your community to get tighter or grow together uh, I think so in a way um the, the community as a whole is actually a pumping community and it's yep. trying its best to do. Environmental issues are important, definitely, but they, they have other things that they're trying to do. They're trying to lift the standards of the, the whole community yeah. in the sporting aspects and in, in the water sports right. and, and everything. And, and actually the environmental issues we're talking about are only a, one part of how the community is trying to lift itself and lift the students altogether. What effect would it be good to have on, you know, any other communities um, around the country? I, I hope they can look at us and say that we've done it on limited resources, I guess, from time to time, and that anybody can do it. Anybody can achieve whatever they want to achieve if they put their minds to it. You know, you don't. It doesn't take money. It takes will. What about you, Gardner? What would you like to say to New Zealand about the work? If you could say one thing to New Zealanders, what would you say today? I would tell them, go to the bush. <laughs> More, it's fun out there. <laughs> Kill a pig. Yeah. Kill a deer. Hey, you can get a feed and you're still protecting the environment. Yeah.
Kia we're with Chris Howe, the Mr. Man for WWF. Chris, how are you feeling right now? It was a wonderful evening. I mean, absolutely fantastic. How inspiring those winners were. For you, what was the difference in this year's Innovation Awards? I think we stepped it up, we involved the community in deciding, we heard from those last winners how the comments on the online community really helped them move from what they thought was a final product. Now they know there's lots more they can do. I mean, that's the power of the crowd. That's serving a double purpose then, isn't it? It's speeding it up almost. It's speeding it up, it's drawing in all kinds of people with all kinds of expertise. So there's the people who won win tonight who won tonight are not the only winners. Everyone's involved. There were some very powerful words that were said tonight actually. Was there some like one word or a phrase that really stood out for you personally? Well, I, I think not just one, but but John last year's winner and, and Trent from this year, you know, when they said you know, this came at exactly the right time for us. This will help us step up. And I mean, Jan said in the 10 months since he got the award, he's gone from idea to implementation. And that's what it's all about. All right. So how are you feeling tonight, Chris, yourself? It's been one of the best nights in my entire career.